as a family, we've had a lot of journeys this summer. We've been to Focus. We've been to New Wine. We've been to Soul Survival. We've been to Devon, to Dorset. Uh, I've got to do this because the, the uh, computer's not working properly. So, um, yeah, we reenacted. We went back in time and reenacted where I proposed. <laughs> so that's me and Roe, original, kind of 19 years ago, how we looked. And that spot on the right is Corfe Castle, the drawbridge. I, went, I took her there because actually it's so, it's so important to me as uh, my family. And uh, February the 14th, and it was shut, so I had to propose on the drawbridge. So that's... We uh, caught crabs, fish, shrimps, waves even. I managed to catch the odd wave in North Devon. Uh, we dug up rocks and uh, we went fossil hunting. That's an ammonite. That took us back 10, 15 million years in time. And as I was thinking about the journeys that we took, we'd been to the New Forest, to Bath, to Devon, to Dorset, to Bath again. I was reflecting that all of us are on this journey. We're all on a journey somewhere, a journey of life. And just as our holiday took us on different times and places as our journey took us, we are on a journey of life through different times and places with different people and circumstances that we will meet. And we will have a destination a place where we will arrive at sometime in the future. Everyone will end up somewhere on this journey of life. Everyone is going to end up somewhere on this journey of life. Everyone's future will become their present reality. Ooh, that's deep, right? Everyone's future will become their present reality. Now, on our holidays, we could have just popped in the car and just driven about anywhere we wanted to, but we didn't. We thought about where we were going to go. We pictured it in our mind's eye about all the things we were going to do in the following week, in the following couple of weeks, all the places we were going to go, all the people we were going to see. Now, the same is true on our journey of life. Some of us will just bop around, not really thinking about our journey, where we're going to be going, where we're ending up all the people we're going to meet, the circumstances we find ourselves in, or what will be accomplished. While some of us will see it from a distance where our life is going to end, and we will work out steps in order to get to that point in the future, and it will become our present reality. And we will pursue that with passion and with purpose. And when those people arrive, they will know that they have accomplished something. It's not too often that we make a difference by accident. Those people will know that they've made a difference because they have pursued their future with purpose and with passion. So famous theologian John Stott wrote, if God has a purpose for the lives of his people, and if his purpose is discoverable, then nothing could be more important than for us to discern and do it. Uh, can we go down a couple of slides? God has put each one of us on this planet, in this church, at this time in eternity, for purpose, with purpose. Is it working? No. Just think about that for a second. God has put each one of us on this planet, in this church, at this time, in eternity, with purpose, for purpose. Do you want to just bop along and see what happens and arrive at a place where you look back and wish things were different? 
Do you want to hear him say, oh, you missed the mark there, didn't you? Or do you want to pursue that purpose with passion? Come to a place where you look back and you see that God has used you to make a difference. Where you hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. One of my favourite sermons I heard over the summer was from a guy called Carl Martin. We've been listening to his sermons on a Sunday evening. Uh, He was a speaker at New Wine last year. As a church, I'd like to invite you to New Wine next year. It's an amazing place of uh, going deeper with God, going deeper with each other. So myself and a few other families who would regularly go are going to be there, and we would invite you to come along. If you want to find out more, do speak to me afterwards, or don't think Paul and Lisa are in today. John and Jenny, the Welches, they'll be happy to talk to you. Lorraine, Haysom, Gillian. Matt and Sarah Brimble, or Abby, Roe, have a chat with us. One of my favourite things that he said was that he doesn't have any longer a plan B. He was challenged by a uh, pastor that he was having dinner with about the fact that he had this plan B in his back pocket, that if his plan A to launch this church in Edinburgh didn't work out, it didn't matter because he was going to pull out his plan B from his back pocket and go and lead a mega church in America. And God said, you can't have a plan B. And I was really struck about that. And I was struck because St. Saviour's is my plan A. You are my plan A. I don't have a plan B. I am all in here. God is... God is all in. For St. Saviour's, God is all in. He doesn't have a plan B for St. Saviour's. God is all in making the future become the present, in making the vision he has given us here at St. Saviour's a reality. That's why it's Vision Sunday. That's our vision. That's what we see God is calling us to in the future and making a reality in the present. Radically transforming lives in the love and the power of Jesus. Now vision is a picture of the future that produces passion, inspires and motivates you to make it a present reality. It's that elusive thing that dares to dream big dreams about the future. Vision is what a mother has as she looks at her newborn baby and imagines all that child could grow into. Vision has a way of ignoring its critics and chasing its dreams, regardless of how many people say it can't be done. Consider these famous predictions that underestimated the incredible power of vision. Thomas Watson, chairman of IBM, 1943. I think there is a market for maybe five computers in the world. The words of Decca Recording Company in 1962, they turned down the Beatles. We don't like their sound, and guitar music is on the way out. (laughs) Charles Jewell, Commissioner of the US Office of Patents in 1899. Everything that can be invented has been invented. You get the idea. Vision has a way of ignoring those who say it can't be done and do it anyway. There is always tension 
between our vision and the way things are. If tension only described the status quo, then it wouldn't be vision. It's going to be harder doing this bit with uh, only one hand. So the difference between, yeah, why not? My uh, beautiful assistant. Is that all right, Carlos? <laughs> the difference between vision and the status quo creates tension, like a rubber band that's been stretched. We often are tempted to let the vision down to the status quo because it's more palatable that way. We don't like being stretched. Instead, we should let the tension pull the way things are closer to the vision, creating the necessary change in our lives, heading towards where God is pulling us. Didn't quite work. Always wanted to fire rubber bands at a congregation. Thank you. I believe God wants to pull us closer to his vision this coming year. And that, my wonderful friends, is going to involve change. Change. Why are we so reluctant to make even the most positive of changes? Well, one, there is some benefit to maintaining the status quo. No matter how miserable we are, no matter how desirable the things are to be changed, there is some benefit in maintaining the status quo. Two, change means uncertainty. It means loss. Even good changes involve some kind of loss. Getting married, Toby, involves meaning the loss of your singleton, your singlehoodness. Getting a better job means leaving friends at your previous work. Who's left? their job and started a new job this term. Thank you, Charlie. God bless you in your new endeavor. Another roadblock is the fear of the unknown. Fear of the process involved of change. Sometimes your pride will get in the way. We don't want to admit that we need to change. And finally then, there's just plain old inertia. We are in a rut. Even though we know we need to change, we're not quite comfortable enough, uncomfortable enough to actually do it. I wonder if you see yourself somewhere in those five elements or a mixture of those five. But he calls us on a personal level, intimately, and on a corporate level as a church to let the tension between the vision, the future, and the way things are to change us, to pull us, to excite us, to fire us on. I wonder if I might have the next slide, if there is one. There's a funny word in it called BHAG. We gathered together as a visionary leadership team last Monday. So it's the team of church council, the elders, if you like, of this church, and the staff team. And I got them to begin with to write a letter to somebody who left yesterday, somebody who left the church yesterday in five years' time, saying to them exactly what had happened at the church with a kind of start that says, Dear John, you will not believe what has happened at St. Saviour's in the last five years, dot, dot, dot. And they filled in the blanks. 
And I invite you as a church to do the same. Maybe you go home this afternoon, perhaps sometime this week in your coffee break, you'll sit down and write a letter. And I would love to receive that letter about what you imagine St. Saviour's will have achieved in five years' time. Whether you're new or whether you've been around for ages, I invite you to write that letter. BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals. That's what we're going for. That's what we're dreaming. We're dreaming big. Over the next few years, we'll be working out exactly how God is going to draw us closer to those BHAGs and that vision. Starting with making this building fit for purpose, which is why we've asked John here today and why we've engaged architects to dream big dreams for us about making our vision a reality. I wonder if I might have the next slide. All of that is going to involve you, and it's going to involve change and transformation. Transformation has a really nice ring to it, don't you think? But what does it mean? It means when we come to our relationship with God, we are not satisfied with maintaining the status quo. We're not happy about the way things are in our lives. When it means that when it comes to our life as a church, we're not satisfied with the status quo. We are not happy with the way things are in church. We are not content to continue year after year with the same attitudes and beliefs and the same ideas and the same practices and the habits that we've always had. On the contrary, we believe that God wants to change us and he is changing us and he will change us. Yes, it is true that God accepts you completely as you are right at this moment when you come to him. All your warts, all of those bits of thorns. But it's also true, and you know this, that he is not willing to leave us where we are. He wants to change us through and through, from top to bottom, inside out. That's a little bit more change for me because of my very healthy eating over the summer period. There's a bit more of me to be changed. He wants to shape and strengthen our character. He wants to clean the muck out of our souls. He wants to rework our values and our priorities. He wants to give us wisdom and insight and understanding. He wants to make us more like Jesus Christ. We are being transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. God wants to change us for the better. The process began on the day you first trusted in him and will carry on throughout your life. I am a work in progress. I've also overheard people saying he's a piece of work, all right. Being a follower of Jesus means that you keep learning, you keep growing, you keep changing because you are being transformed into his likeness. And as beautiful as you all are, none of you look like Jesus Christ just yet. Apart from you, Tobes. 
See how I avoided Tom there, you know? Could have been the standard one. It's lifelong for the whole of your life. It's a journey that will only be complete when Jesus returns. And until that time, we are all works in progress. I wonder if I might have the next slide. If you would like to, if you have your Bibles, if you want to pick up your Bible on page 1180 of the Church Bible. Of course, for many of you who have been here over the summer, you will know that this is our memory verse. And you won't need to look in the Bible because I'm going to hand this t microphone to you. <laughs> no, I'm not. Not only that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3, 12 to 14. I hope that sounds like good news to you. I hope you hear the promise of change as being something wonderful, something to be anticipated with joy, with happiness. Are you happy? Are you happy? Well, tell your face you're happy then. My old principal at my college used to say that, but in a different accent. Tell your face you're happy. There you go. Some of you got the idea. It is wonderful change because it means we can be better than what we are right now. That it's not as good as it gets. That you are not as good as it gets. That this church is not as good as it gets that we can be better. Wherever you are spiritually, whether you're a newcomer to the faith or a mature saint, you can go further. You can go deeper in your relationship with God. You can see him do far greater things in your life than you have witnessed so far. And if you don't yet know Jesus, I would love to chat with you afterwards. Whatever your experience of the Christian life has been, God is saying to you, I am just getting started. You ain't seen nothing yet, if he spoke in a home counties type accent. God is saying, if you're all in, if you're all in, if you're all in, I'm all in. I'm all in. He's saying, I'm all in. That's his declaration to you this morning. If you're all in, I'm all in. Let me put it another way. Most of the adults in this room are a bit past their physical prime. I'm not sure I even had a physical prime. Back there for a week or two in 1992, maybe. But since then, physically, all downhill. 
just this year, I started noticing that I have to hold the paper slightly further away from me. I have to turn the television up slightly. Uh, only a few weeks ago in the hairdressers, the woman uh, complimented me on my full head of hair. I knew she was lying. It's getting thinner and greater by the day. Uh, at high school, I had this wonderful perm and wet look. <laughs> I looked like Farrah Fawcett. That was a full head of hair. No photos. Full head of hair. But those days are gone. And it doesn't matter. Not really, because in the realm of what's truly important, eternally important, decline is not inevitable. In fact, it's just the opposite. We have the next slide. 2 Corinthians 4.16, if you want to pick up your Bibles, page 1161. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. The Holy Spirit is at work radically transforming your life before your very eyes. The changes God wants to make in our lives are good ones. The changes God wants to make in our church are good ones. We know that, and yet it's still our human nature to be apprehensive about changes, even the positive ones. There may be things in your life that you're not ready to admit that they are not as they should be. Perhaps you have a heart attitude of resentment and bitterness towards some person who has wounded you. Maybe you're experiencing some unhealthy fear and anxiety. Maybe you have a tendency to anger and to rage that you'd like to overcome. I'm sure each one of us could name a dozen things. I myself have a double-sided A4 piece of paper that I'm working through. I invite you just to spend a moment. Think about the one thing in your life that you would like to see changed. Take a few seconds. The one thing in your life you would most like to see changed. Not what you desire to see changed in your circumstances or in some other person, but in yourself. You got it? Yeah? Now ask yourself, do you really want freedom from this sin? Do you really want freedom from this character flaw? Do you really want freedom from this destructive pattern of behavior? Do you really? Do you want to see this church grow in its kids and its youth work? Do you really? Do we really want to reach a lost generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Do we really? Do we really want to invest in this building and make it fit for purpose? Do we really? The evening congregation would know that at this stage I'm probably looking for an answer. Do we really? 
Change is going to cost us something. It's going to cost you something. And you need to count the cost before you begin the journey. You need to look into your heart and ask, why am I doing this? What's the benefit? What's the payoff? What am I going to lose if I make this change? What is it I don't want to give up? What am I afraid of? At minimum, change is going to cost you the security of having things stay the same. It may cost you peace. It may cost you some pride, but it's going to cost. And I invite you to join us as we journey into the future where we as a church are radically transforming lives in the love and the power of Jesus. I can guarantee you that the cost of following Jesus is insignificant to what you will gain. Nothing compares to him. Knowing Jesus is worthy of any cost, but still there is a cost, and therefore you have a choice to stay as you are. Or you can say, I want to get better. I want to make more of my life. I want this abundant life that you have promised for all who follow you. I'll do whatever you ask, just change me. That is the attitude of a true disciple, the attitude that God requires of us individually and us as a church. And when we come to him on that basis, yielding ourselves to the, the potter's hands as clay, then he can begin to shape us, to mould us into something better and something more beautiful, and we will never be the same again. And that purpose is that we will be transformed to become like him. What matters most is not who you were, who you think you should be, but who you let God make you become. What matters most, most is not what type of church we were, but what type of church we are becoming. One more slide. That's why our vision is radically transforming lives in the love and power of Jesus. Jesus has come and expects to bring transformation in every area of our lives, individually, corporate, our purpose, our vision, our mission, our behaviours, our values, our community, in here, out there, the lives of everyone. And as God transforms you, he wants to use you in his plan A for this church. Your transformation means you become part of something much bigger than just you. And I want to be part of something bigger. St. Saviour's is my plan A. I am all in. How about you? A few of you are getting the hang of this thing. St. Saviour's is my plan A. God is all in for St. Saviour's. God is all in for you. I am all in. How about you? Let's pray together. The band would like to come up.
Father God, we come to you just as we are this morning, with all of the thorns in our life, with all of the gnarly bits, and we come and we ask for change, and we ask for transformation, and we ask for your light to shine in our lives, to unfurl the beauty that can be hidden by so much muck. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Maybe as you respond, as the band leads us in worship, as we sing together, maybe there's that thing that you're thinking of, what you really want to change. Come to him. Ask him. The prayer team are going to be available just in the corner to your left at the back. They would love to pray for you, with you, pray a prayer of blessing over you.